I'm Yunko Pak, and today we have with us Pastor Jack Reed back with us again to talk a little bit more with us about Mountain Child. Good to have you again. It's great to be here today. Yeah, it's nice to just be able to catch up a little bit because I get the impression that a lot seems to happen in between the times <laughs> that we see you. It feels that way. I feel like I feel like we're doing a lot in a short short amount of time. So I just got back in from the Himalayas, Nepal, day and a half ago, and uh, I'm here in Korea for another five six days before uh, heading out again. So it's a busy busy season right now, but it's all it's all good to be engaged and involved in what God is doing. So it's uh, with a lot of joy that I can be here today and also be elsewhere next week. All right, where else, where are you going after this? Uh, after this, I head to the United States. Um, Mountain Child uh, has, a matter of fact, just this week we've taken a new office space oh. in the United States, and uh, it's our administrative offices in San Antonio, Texas. And uh, there are a number of key personnel there who play strong roles for us in administratively. Um, they help um, everything from scheduling to promotions to um, raising awareness to helping to put together some of the short-term trips that come to the Himalayas, um, play a big role in managing the finances through accountants and really hold all of the, the legal matters for Mountain Child in the United States as a nonprofit or a 501c3. So we've got new offices. I haven't seen them yet. Uh, I'll see them as of this coming Monday. Okay. Well, that, does that mean that Mountain Child's headquarter office is now in the States? Well, we do have an office um, here in Korea. We have one in uh, the United States. We have one in Nepal. And we have one in the United Kingdom. And uh, so those offices keep us busy. There is uh, some opportunities in front of us as an, as an organization to expand into some other areas, and we have some good following in different countries. But right now, in terms of legal entities, we've kind of drawn the circle around those offices and are just wanting to improve our operations and administration there first before we branch out and take it anywhere else. I imagine there's a lot of administration involved as you're coordinating from across countries. <laughs> well, when you work in multiple time zones and communication and so much of our work today is virtual, you don't actually see anybody. You just hope that when you call, they're going to be awake. And uh, it does get a little bit confusing trying to um, schedule it all. Um, and in each one of those countries, um, there are there's a different framework for existing legally. In some of them, you're a registered charity. In some of them, you're a nonprofit. In some of them, you're a 501c3. So it takes kind of a new set of understanding, learning people um, to operate in the unique setting that each one of those presents. Oh, sounds like it. Yeah. Every little detail must be covered, and just people who are experts in that area are probably the best consultants, right? We've got to bring them in because I'm certainly not. Yeah, <laughs> we need we need people around us who really know what they're doing. Indeed. One thing I wanted to explore a little bit is just we have, you know, a couple of our own from the nations who went to Nepal or they're in Nepal mm -hmm. as missionaries. That's right. John and Soyang and Scott and Sarah Smith. That's right. And I was just kind of curious, what is it like to be a missionary there in 
Nepal? What's the day-to-day tend to look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And um, I think that um, for those individuals that you've mentioned here from the nations, um, everyone in Nepal as a missionary with Mountain Child plays a very specific role. And so they just don't show up and scratch their head and try to figure out what to do tomorrow. They have an assignment and uh, some, some real specific marching orders and that they are over a specific project. So, for instance, with uh, John and Soyan Thompson, they head up all of our anti-trafficking efforts. And uh, those are quite robust. We have uh, had the great opportunity to serve in a leadership role in a network of over 30 organizations in Nepal that are all focused on trafficking or anti-trafficking efforts. And um, the Thompsons are playing a lead role in the umbrella organization that uh, is serving those over 30 organizations. That keeps them busy. Um, They are also overseeing all of our interns that come in from around the world. And those interns come in for several months, and there is a um, a very robust curriculum that those interns are taken through almost on a daily basis, and then they are given assignments to go out into remote locations and conduct research projects. So the Thompsons also oversee that, and um, then they are also very involved in some of the new technologies, specifically as it relates to sustainable farming solutions and energy energy solutions. So uh, they juggle a number of different hats. There's no shortage of work to keep them busy, especially with one young child and another one just on its way. Um, Very, very busy and um, an integral part of our work. The the Smiths, um, Scott and Sarah Smith, um, they they head up what we call our Explore program, which is uh, the program designed to service the short-term teams that come in from various countries. Um, They come in year-round, and uh, that program for us has just exploded. And we have uh, people almost arriving every single week um, with a team as small as five up to 25 that want to come in and participate in the mission of Mountain Child and maybe strap on a backpack, fill it up with medicine, and walk into remote communities and deliver polio vaccinations or deworming medication and at the same time deliver the love of God and look for opportunities to share Christ and his love with people who have never heard his name. So the Smiths had all of that up. That means they also manage our, our guest house. We have a, uh, uh, a facility in Kathmandu that not only services mountain child teams, but it also takes in business from people just who arrive in Nepal and need a place to stay. And so um, if you were to go by the guest house today, if you were in Kathmandu, you would be meeting people from who you've never met before from different countries that are staying there anywhere from one night to several months, and they make bookings. And uh, Scott and Sarah also oversee and manage all of that operation. Okay, well, definitely very busy. Yes, they are. Uh, full full schedules. Now, for our listeners who are interested in, in going to Nepal for either a short-term mission trip mm-hmm. or just ex- on the exploration or even the internship for sure. that matter what's first the best way to get information about that and second what can they expect sure yeah well the best way to find out more and to contact us is just directly through our website and that's simply mountainchild.org org 
And um, it's a robust site that hopefully details all of the different ways that people can be involved and how they can make a trip to Nepal, either as a short-term participant, which usually means two weeks or less, or if they want to come on an internship with Mountain Child. Now, typically, um, we ask that anyone who would like to participate in an internship with Mountain Child, that they first be a part of an explore trip, a a up-to-two-week trip. Um, That allows us both the opportunity to get to know one another and to ensure that it's a good fit and that you don't just arrive looking to spend several months and you get off the plane and you find out that this is just not the place for you. So um, there are, you know, great people who will respond to your email very promptly if you're interested in either one of those opportunities. Uh, As I mentioned, we have teams in the country, in Nepal right now, um, and we have interns in the country right now. And um, they both have very different experiences, but both of them involve um, hiking. And usually most of the trips involve quite a bit of physical exertion. So the people who are coming, um, it's good for them to know that and for them to be ready for that. Um, we do have opportunities for people who maybe uh, do have physical limitations or maybe hiking is just not their thing. Um, but generally speaking, we are in our mission is called into the mountains. And uh, that requires, because there are no roads, it requires quite a bit of walking uphill at high elevations, carrying your own goods. And I'd recommend that uh, people be in shape for that. There's something that you implied there in terms of a fit. Um, now, I think this kind of goes beyond some people's mindsets that if God calls me to Nepal, then that's, that's it. But you seem to be implying that it's, if there's a fit involved too, it may, there needs to be a little bit of an exploration, discovery, and sure. then finding out more about it. Is, is that the case in terms of what you find? One of the strengths uh, with Mountain Child is that we know exactly what our vision is. We're not searching for what to do. We're not trying to figure it out. Um, God has been very clear with us about what our mission is. And we've actually, uh, I think, done a pretty good job of describing what the mission is and putting it down on paper, um, creating tools where people can interact and very clearly understand exactly what our objectives are. So that when someone comes to Nepal, there is a very delineated and well-marked-out plan of what we're trying to achieve. Now, how we're getting there and getting it all done, we're always open for review. We do have some, I believe, proven methods, but those methods are always um, evolving, and we're looking for new strategies and ways, in particular because Nepal is changing, and technology is coming, and roads are being built, and infrastructure is is coming to areas that previously never had it. So uh, the tools that you have are changing. And so the ways that we go about achieving our objectives also are evolving. But when someone comes, um, there are a number of different ways that they can get involved, whether it be children, whether it be farming uh, practices, whether it be in education, whether it be nurses with medical help, or doctors, or just people who know how to love on children and love on people. So I don't know of anyone, hardly, who can't fit in one of those categories. We have opportunities for everyone. And uh, so far in our years of interacting with people from around the world, I've, I've never really stumbled across a person that just 
didn't fit. Yeah, because it really comes down to the simple act of love and interacting with people and revealing God's life to, to others. Absolutely. Such a large spectrum of places where people can just pour out their passion. That's it. For the love for God and for yeah. people. That sounds really wonderful. Now, I'm a bit curious. Has the gospel been penetrating the Himalayas? Ooh, that's a great question. I'm going to say yes, it has. Um, it certainly has. The Himalayas are vast. Um, they're not just confined within the borders of Nepal. They stretch very far. Matter of fact, about 1,500 miles um, in, 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 uh, across about 14 different countries. So Mountain Child's work has zeroed in a little bit more in Nepal, although it has been working in India for a number of years. Um, but we have, at Mountain Child, specifically targeted 24 to ethnic Tibetan unreached people groups. And that really means that those groups have never had access or opportunity to even hear the name of Jesus Christ. Never. There are no Christians amongst them. There are no pastors. There is no Bible. There is no church. There is hardly any literature even to go um, into their language. And um, it presents some enormous challenges. One of the biggest challenges of getting the gospel into the Himalayas is simply a logistic challenge. Um, there are areas that are cut off from modern progress and technology because there are no roads that go into those areas. And so to reach some of these ethnic groups requires a long walk. And when I say long, I mean well over a week to reach them by foot. So you've got to have a week to get in, a couple of weeks to spend, and a week to get out. And you're looking at a month, and not a lot of people have a month to take off, learn a language, uh, go in, and so it takes people with real long-term commitment. There are different levels of involvement that people could come in. The short-term teams help, but we also need long-term help that will go through the immense challenges, climb those mountains, and be willing to give years to see real goals met for the kingdom of God. But um, there, there have been... Um, converts and people who have decided to follow Christ. Um, that has happened. Uh, the reality is that some of those people who have made decisions to follow Christ, um, they have paid the ultimate price and they have been martyrs and, and lost their life because of their decision. There is a what would look like a very formidable wall and opponent in the Himalayas. It's the birthplace of Hinduism. It's the birthplace of Buddhism. It is home to the Dalai Lama. It is um, really been an uncontested citadel of power for the enemy for generations. And when you walk in and you begin to bring in light, you're immediately exposed. And the forces that seek to stop the kingdom of God present themselves very quickly. And so there is a great struggle. There is a great battle. I'm so grateful that we're on the winning side and we have tools that we can win with. And those are tools of God's love and his peace and his goodness and his kindness. And really, the gates of hell could not prevail against those. But it does take people who will be bearers of the light, be bearers of the message of Jesus Christ, and to continue to go in. Mountain Child right now is working in a number of those unreached people groups. And, uh, you know, 10 years ago, as we began to walk in and get involved, 
Um, we were not met with a friendly welcome at all, um, threatened and chased out and um, um, threatened with our lives. Um, but now those communities who gave such great opposition are now our best friends and are calling upon us and looking for our help and assistance. And just in the past, I would say, three years, we have seen tremendous turnaround and hearts open, doors open, um, and a new level of receptivity to the kingdom of God and the message of Jesus Christ that um, kind of expected might take us even a little bit longer, but God's opened those doors and we're stepping through them. What a testimony. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. You know, what are some current needs right now as supporters that we can get behind you mm. in Mountain Child in terms of what we can do? Yeah. Well, we'll start with prayer. Prayer is enormous, and uh, prayer can move mountains, and we're working in the mountains, and we need those mountains to move. And so if people could join us in prayer initiatives, um, at uh, praying for the projects and the people groups, um, we would be grateful for that. And if people would like to know specifically how to pray, they can always contact us through the website fill in the information form, send it to us, and we'll get back to them on specific ways that they can join us in prayer. Obviously, the work of bringing development work and clean water and sanitation and health posts and education through schools all cost money. And, and the reality of it is this big vision, it doesn't pay for itself. It needs funding. And so we need people who will step up and will join us. Um, it's a worthy cause. There is a great amount of good that we can do naturally. Half of the children born in the Himalayas die before their eighth birthday. We can stop that. We can easily stop that, but it takes money um, to build clean water projects, to build toilets that, that stop the tide of diarrhea and dysentery and cholera outbreaks and allow the children to live long enough so that we can share the love of God with them and uh, see them grow in their relationship with him. So we want to marry the two together, a natural work for their physical well-being and also a spiritual work for their eternal well-being. We want to show them both. And by doing good, we're finding that people are asking us, why are you helping us? Why are you here? Why are you investing so much? And we feel like we have a pretty good answer for them. And that gives us the opportunity to share about Christ and his love for them and that is what compels us to go and share his love with them as well. And so um, giving is a big part of it. Prayer, going, they can come and join us in the mission. There's a lot of nonprofits out there that you can't necessarily get hands-on with as much. But uh, we welcome it. We, we um, are going to be uh, enabled in our mission together to join hands with people around the world and march into places that are unreached and share God's love. And we need people to help us do that. We need personnel for people who want to go long-term, people who um, want to uh, invest their lives. And long-term for us is anything five years or more um, that want to learn the language, that want to embed themselves in a place like Kathmandu and want to join us on a daily basis of, in the great project of carrying hope to the mountain child. Well, Pastor Jack, thank you so much. It's such a wonderful thing to just get these updates for you, from you about what God is doing there in the Himalayas. It's really inspiring, encouraging, and uplifting.
and indeed we'll be continuing to pray. Thank you. I'd just like to also take a moment to just give a special thanks to the nations. Um, They have tirelessly supported financially in prayer, in giving, by sending teams, by sending people for years now. And um, the investment that they have made is paying incredible returns, both in this life and I know in the life to come. And so there's not enough that could be said for the generosity that the nations has given on every single level towards the work of Mountain Child. And it's a partnership that has joined together that is achieving um, enormous good. And I look forward to the future and all of that relationship and how it will benefit the kingdom of God. Amen. This is indeed a partnership and the feeling is very mutual, Pastor mm-hmm. Jack. Thank you again. Thank you. Well, thank you, you listeners, for joining us here on Meet the Pastors podcast. We are so glad you can be with us and look forward to meeting you here again the next time. Thank you.